Amen. The good favor of God. Well, again, in this past 12 weeks, we uh, have been studying the book of Hosea, studying all kind of different good attributes of God. Last week, we talked about the good paths uh, of God, to the good paths that he puts before you to see what he wants you to accomplish in this earth as it is in heaven, bringing glory to his name. And with that, when we're walking in the paths that God has set before us, I believe all of us would appreciate walking in some sort of favor in where those paths are taking us. Um, maybe it's not for you, but life is kind of hard sometimes. Can someone say amen to that? And in those tough areas of life as you're pursuing God, walking on the path of God, we would all love to walk in a favor to help guide us in the path, to help give us blessings on the path. And tonight, I want to start off with a passage from Psalm chapter 90 before we get into Hosea. And it's in verse 17, it says this, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I want to read that again. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I want to start off by defining what the favor of God is before I impact this. The favor of God is a divine kindness given over his people so that they can accomplish a God-given assignment. The favor of God is a divine kindness given over a people so that we can accomplish God-given assignments. God-given assignments that we cannot accomplish by our own hands. The favor of God is something that is poured out on a people to accomplish something that you can't accomplish by your own might, by your own merit, by your own strength, by your own ways. It's something you need to accomplish something that's much bigger than you. The prayer for us should be, God, give us favor in what we put our hands to so that one thing is shown by what we accomplish, and that is his glory. That everything we do in this earth, everything we do in this life, would be about the glory of God. Our life would be a display of a worship to him. The blessings that God pours out on a people or the favor that is poured out on a people, it happens when we get one thing right. And it's not necessarily getting every area of your life correct, although that is a good thing to have flow from a life of seeking. But when we do one thing in this life, we will actually walk into favor. And that is simply this. Letting your hands be baptized in his purposes. Letting your hands, if y'all could scoot in, there's some people still coming in, that would be great. Letting your hands be baptized in his purposes. Meaning whatever you put your hand to, it is not to accomplish the things you want. It is to accomplish the things that God wants to do through you. And when your hands are baptized in his purpose, in what he wants to do, there is actually an evidence of that baptism. There is an evidence of God, my hands are not for me. My hands are for your purposes alone. It's in Isaiah 66 too. It says this, has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being declares the Lord. These are the ones that I look on with what? Favor. Those who are humble, contrite in spirit, and who tremble at my word. When your hands are baptized in my hands are for his purposes and his purposes alone, there's an evidence of humility, seeking, and the fear of God. Humble in the fact that we need God to accomplish the vision that he's given us. If you can accomplish the vision of your life by your hands alone, your vision isn't right. Because he wants to do something through you that you have to be able to depend on him. That is why it's called being humble for his strength, 
humble to his divinity, humble to his might, his power. Because we cannot accomplish this thing alone. If we ever walk into a day where we think the things we do as a church are going to accomplish what God wants to do, we need to dream bigger because we cannot do it without his power. We cannot do it without his might. We cannot do it without his spirit. And then there is a something called contrite in spirit, which is simply seeking him. Knowing that our natural is not God's natural. And that the moment we start using logic to figure out how to accomplish the work, we've missed the fact that we have to seek him to figure out the ways, not seek our minds. And oftentimes, that's what happens in the human condition. God has a, a plan. God has a vision. God has something he wants to do. God has a purpose to get on the earth as it is in heaven. And instead of seeking him for that, we look at what can we build? What can we master up? There is a seeking that is need to understand we cannot do this by ourselves. And then there is the fear of the Lord. Fearing a reality of anything opposite where he's leading. The fear of God is simply I fear a reality operating outside of his leading. It's not being scared of God. It's fearing any idea that is not of his name. Okay? You don't earn favor. You receive it by way of your posture. You don't go earn a favor in your life. There is a favor portion for you that is poured out on his people that are humble, seeking, and fearing him. And we don't earn it. We walk into it by way of our posture. It's not about proving yourself. Because one thing the church likes to get in the idea of is how can I get favor? Let me prove myself to God. It's not proving yourself to get favor. It's a posture of I want to walk into whatever he already has for me. By way of one thing, Christ purchased everything for me to walk into. There is already something for you. There is something portioned for you. There is something set aside for you to accomplish. There is something that each and every one of you is purposed for on earth. There is something that he has put in you that needs to be revealed. 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are chosen, you are royal, you are God's possession, and you are called out of darkness. Now here's where I want to open up some new ideas. Because we have been talking a lot about darkness and light. Darkness being ignorance, light being knowledge. But there's actually more to it than that. So to understand this idea of us being called out of darkness, I want to go back to the very first two scriptures of the entire word. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Look at this. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and what? Darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Now, stop right there for a second. It just says the earth is formless, is void, God created it, darkness hovered, and where darkness hover, hovered, so did the Spirit of God. Now watch this. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. Now, here's what's interesting. Sun and moon was not created until day four. It wasn't about a sun and a moon differentiating light from darkness. It says that the darkness covered the waters, which is where the spirit hovered. And when he called out light, day and night, what happened when light came in, it revealed what was in dark. Darkness is mystery. Y'all following? Darkness is mystery. And what was revealed in the darkness? What was revealed in the mystery? Sun, moon, Land, animals, 
mankind. So when you understand that darkness is mystery and darkness is ignorance, ignorance is the inability to understand what's in the mystery. Light being knowledge is I am going to look into the mystery of this thing and I'm going to see what's in it which is beyond my understanding. So to get an understanding of what's in this mystery, what's not been revealed, I cannot get the understanding by my own mind. I have to get the understanding by a posture of seeking God. Because whatever is in the darkness, the ignorant place, whatever is in the place of not knowing, God says, I have all the light to reveal it. I have a knowledge that is above your knowledge. I have a way that is above your way. I have a wisdom that is superior to your wisdom. I don't operate by your logic. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. He says, if you would seek me, I will show you what's in the mystery. I will show you what's in the darkness. But if you try to figure out for yourself, all you will do is walk in ignorance. 1 Corinthians 2.7 the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan, what is the mystery? It was a plan that was previously hidden. Previously. Even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. All the plans that he has was hidden. Was not available. But by way of Jesus making you right in your posture, he says, everything that you couldn't get before, now is attainable. Everything that you could not see by your logic, I can make visible. You are set apart, God says, to understand the mysteries that no one else can get. Y'all following? You are set apart. You have been made holy, you have been made royal to see in the darkness with a light that is beyond your capabilities. And what happens in life oftentimes is we come up to these places where we don't know what to do, so we start to reason. We start to try to make sense of things, and God says... If you would start looking at that area of life as something to be revealed by way of mystery that is no longer hidden, I will show you everything you need. And everything you need is by my hand, and I will pour it out for you, and that thing is called a favor to walk in hidden things. There is a favor poured out on a people seeking to get healing in more ways than just a physician. There is a favor poured out of people to transform an area with more ways than just good programs. Because we can do a lot of things by our hand, but when we baptize our hands in his purposes, he says, you will walk and see mystery revealed. Like the mystery of how to break economic issues in Savannah. Like mysteries of how to break racial divide in Savannah. Like mysteries of how to see the manifest presence of God on a people who don't have a million dollar campus or a $50,000 light show, a people that are just on their knees seeking God. And he says, I can pour favor on that so mysteries reveal because it's no longer locked up for you. Is this, is this, okay. You are set apart to understand the mysteries that no one else can. He says you are favored for understanding, not because of your earning, but because you're humble to understand the principle of seeking him first. Contrite in spirit, fearing God, humble to him. And the mystery revealed is by way of faith to baptize your hands according to his purpose. Even when it doesn't make sense because we are, not, we, we, we are not humbling ourselves to logic, we are humbled to the one who is not bound by logic. When you understand that you are moving in faith to see mystery revealed on earth as is in heaven, 
You understand that your hands alone cannot do it. Your hands must be purposed. And when you embrace that, God says, I will pour out favor on your hands to accomplish the task. So it's not let me get better so I can earn favor. It's let my hands be baptizing God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And when I get in that posture, he says, I give you favor to accomplish the work of your hands that are set apart from my work. Is this like, okay. Key to favor, it says, is humility, seeking, and the fear of the Lord. Now this takes us to Hosea chapter 13, verse 1. It says, when the tribe of Ephraim spoke, the people shook. With what? Fear. For that tribe was important in Israel. But the people of Ephraim sinned by worshiping Baal and thus sealed their destruction. The tribe of Ephraim had great favor. They had such favor that when they spoke, the people shook with fear. Shook with a reverence. They were revered. They were honored because they were speaking not from their own mind, not from their own mouths, but from mystery by way of seeking. They were speaking on behalf of God. They were very important. But even though they had this favor, they began to get more caught up in what they were doing than being humbled to the fact that they were doing it because their hands were baptized in purpose. And when you forget that what you're doing is for him, your hands can begin to accomplish anything you want and giving glory to anything you want, including a God like Baal. You start to build it by your own accord, by your own ideas, by your own tastes, by your own preferences. Baal actually simply means this, Lord. They were giving Baal glory for all their crops and all the fertility in the land. All the production. All the increase. They got so lost in what God was allowing them to do that they started to take credit, build more things that they were never designed to build, and they were exiting out of mystery into their own understanding. And when they started to walk in their own understanding, they built things according to their own understanding and worshiped things according to their own understanding. And they no longer had to have faith in the God of Israel because their faith was locked up in a statue built that looked like a horse. When they began to build whatever, they began to give glory to whatever. And often when you give glory to whatever, there is growth because you attract anything. The people of God, are y'all getting this? The people of God can accomplish anything according to God. But we must desire to build what he wants instead of anything we want, even if that means we don't attract all. uncompromised in our seeking to where everything our hands do is not how can we get more. It's what does he purpose our hands to do. Let our hands accomplish his work according to favor so that the only ones attracted to what we build or accomplish are ones who are saying yes to God instead of saying yes to a great build. Coming to say yes to what God is doing versus a great organization we have made. Relentless cannot become a place where we start building good programs because we want to keep people busy. This church, I believe we are going to see much increase in 2023. But we cannot walk in increase by way of our hands that are not baptized. And it takes faith because we may walk into some areas that don't look like regular church. Thank God. Because regular church ain't changing nothing. Is that okay? 
We try to recreate what isn't working, thinking a new brand is going to pull in the people. We have to say, God, whatever our hands produce, let it be by way of being baptized in your purpose and that the only reason it's producing anything is you've poured out favor. And we have to be willing to go into some new areas, some different places, talk about some different things, actually believe that our teenagers hold keys to your life. Instead of just separating them, let it, can you see a day in church where teenagers are leading the call to worship because they're further in their walk than us adults? Can you see that? I'm talking about a multi-generational conscious where we see a day where 15-year-olds are preaching the word because we fathered them. But, but, what, but what happens in the church is, well, we got to do youth ministry this way, and then once they're 18, they can be released. Why not think of something different? Why not let the youth ministry be the men's and women's ministry? Now, I'm not talking about plans right now. I haven't thought about what to do. What I'm saying is we have to be willing to say, God, however you want it, that's what we're going to do. Not by our hands, but only by your hands. Right? These people were obsessed with production and what they could do, and they started building anything to say, look at what we built. Look at what we did. Look at this in verses 2 and 3. And now they continue to sin by making silver idols, images shaped skillfully with human hands. Sacrifice to these, they cry. And you think, oh, that's horrible. The church does it. We, we, we build great altars and we worship the, what we bring to the altar more than what our lives are living as an altar. It says, sacrifice to these, they cry, and kiss the calf idols. Therefore, they will disappear like a morning mist, like dew in the morning sun, like shaft blown by the wind, like smoke from a chimney. When you keep building only what your hands can produce, you will not be able to stand. You will disappear like morning mist and like shaft blown by the wind. When we build only what we can build, obviously this is a prophetic message for this year. When we build only what we can build, we will not stand. Because the winds of the Holy Spirit do not knock you down. They carry you to a new place because the winds blow away things that are not useful. And we have to be in a posture of such, such seeking God that we say, we want to build only what you want, so whatever is not of you, blow it away. Take it away. Do it away. Because at the end of the day, we don't want to stand on what we built. We want to stand on what God wants to do. And what God wants to do exists in mystery that can only be accomplished by his understanding, which can only be accomplished by way of my hands are baptized in purpose. And I'm walking in it because when my hands are baptized in his purpose, every work according to my hand is according to God's hands. He says, favor. Because in that moment, he wants to do what you cannot. And the human condition spends a life on earth trying to do things to try to get ourselves out of holes or try to walk into new places. And God says, if you would just put your hands to work for me, If you would just start getting obsessed with giving glory to my name, I will give you what you need to get out of the hole, like Joseph in the pit, right? He, he says, I, I, I will bring you into any place that you need to be because the only one that knows where you need to be is the Father because he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Knowing it means he, he knows what you're capable of and how dare you operate in this world by what you think you're capable of when he knows you better than you. One thing I keep hearing about so many people that are coming to this house is that they're, they're coming more alive in what their purpose is than ever. You know how that happens? My hand for your work, God. Take us into mystery instead of only building what we know how to build. Favor is poured out when your hands shift 
from what is not useful to what's been purposed according to what he wants to do. And when we build what is not according to his purpose, I want you to see what happens in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 14. It says, because of God's grace to me, this is Paul talking, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, straw. But on judgment day, fire, let me read that again, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Now listen to that. Fire will reveal what you've done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. Anything you build in this life, your family, relationships, ministry, culture at your job, how you raise your kids, how you steward your pocketbook, your wallet, anything that you build will be tested. Fire will reveal the value of the work, not the value of the work man. Because God does not decrease his value for you based off of bad stewardship. He loves you regardless. You cannot earn more love. You cannot, you cannot get better. You cannot get worse. But what you do will be tested. And what you do will be judged. What is tested? Listen to this. Is the thing coming out of you a representative of your value as a child of God? Is the thing coming by the way of your hand a representative of how much God values you as his child? So what we start to do with our hands no longer just becomes acts. What we do actually becomes mirrors of how we see ourselves in the eyes of God. And on the judgment day, the things that we do will be measured. And I want to say this, the judgment day, we always think this is only referring to the end times, but I want to say to you, there is a judgment day for all things. Israel was going through theirs right now. God says you're worshiping and you're creating things that are not true, and because of that, you're not going to receive favor to keep on going. This house will continue to stay in a posture of our hands can do a lot, but they can do a lot more when our hands are baptized in purpose. So that his favor will help us to accomplish things that our hands cannot. Everything we do, everything that we produce, will show how much you understand God's value is on you. That's kind of a scary thought. Because it's like, well, I'm not producing much now. Then wake up, O oh sleeper. Because there is something in you that you have not seen, that we have not seen. And if you would just be submitted to the idea that there is greatness in you, despite how you define greatness, because greatness in you could just simply mean you have great conversations with a sixth grader every day. And the conversations are raising up a leader. There is so much that could come out of you. Don't judge greatness by the significance that we can measure. There is something in you that God says, I want to be poured out on all the earth. And if you would get obsessed with seeking me, being humble to needing me, and fearing a reality without me, the thing in you that comes out of you, I will approve of that work. But we get lost in the American dream. Own a house, right? Raise a family. Work till you're 60 and enjoy the last 20 years. Am I, am I wrong? But the, if, I, if I can push that, a kingdom reality is every step I take is an ordained step. And if there's fruit of joy and peace and strength and kindness, I'm going to walk in the dream that God has for me, which the world cannot see because they don't understand mystery. 
Let's get out of this idea of we're going to live it up when we retire. Let's retire to worldly desires now and say, let's live it up every day because I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am walking in my purpose, and every single day is destiny. Verse 4, I have been the Lord your God ever since I brought you out of Egypt. You must acknowledge no God but me. There is no other Savior. Wait, did the Savior just get mentioned in the Old Testament? That'll shift some theology. Because the Savior did not show up in the New Testament. The Savior's always been. He existed as Word. Because the Word became flesh. The acknowledgement of all God is and says is Savior. But we got so far away from mystery and purpose that God said, let me show you what my word looks like operating in you, and I'm going to call that Messiah. So that you can get back to the word working in you and through you by way of example. Israel, is this the people of God changed. God didn't. He said, your Savior is acknowledging me, and you're not. You're walking away. He says, I'm still your God, but you are no longer my people. But it's not because of me. It's because of you. Do you realize, even in the Old Testament, how simple God made it? He said, oh, you want to be my people? Acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. How do I acknowledge him? God, hear my hands. Not my will, your will. God, what am I here for? God, why'd you give me this son? God, why'd you give me this daughter? God, God, why did you give me this favor in this area? God, why did you give me this skill? God, why did you give me this talent? God, why did you bestow on me this spiritual gift? God, why did you? Mystery is revealed by a knowledge you have by way of seeking. What is the mystery? Think about this. A day when we walk into such a degree of presence, we lay hands on someone at Piggly Wiggly, and they get healed in the grocery store. Now, how does that happen? We are walking in knowledge that they don't have. Because unlike them, we see the mystery. Because the scripture says to you, there is no more mystery. It's revealed in seeking. So when you're seeking God to that degree, if you walk in that piggly wiggly one day, or walk in any place for that matter, obviously, when you're walking in piggly wiggly that day, you see something that is beyond logic. It's only by way of mystery revealed to you. So you stop what you're doing and you say, here's my hands. Is this making sense? That is is why we are called to seek him in everything we do. Because he has purpose in everything. Verse 5. I took care of you in the wilderness, in that dry and thirsty land, talking about Egypt, getting them out of Egypt. But when you had eaten and were satisfied, you became proud and you forgot me. When things are going good, we often forget of the favor poured out so that we can have it so good. You know, at the end of the 20th century, I read this this week, Americans were in great prosperity, but it was the lowest percentage of giving to the church since the Great Depression. Why? Because we love to forget why we produce. We produce because of him. If I can put this to you in a way that you may not like, Even those who don't believe can only produce because of him. Because he put something in them that was a skill that they worked. Where they failed is that they started building things outside of glory. So that's why you see all these people that are successful often deal with depression. Because when the winds blow, they can't stand. Because you start to walk in, what can I do? What can I get? God says, no, 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 no. 
you build this in a way that is on the foundation of me and me alone, nothing's going to shake you. That hurt, that pain, it's not going to shake you. We walk away from giving him glory in all things when life gets easy. And for some reason, the altar call at church has become, I've realized how hard it is, or I realize I've walked away from God. I say we need to walk in there where the altar call becomes, I'm receiving a new dimension. Because I've walked out of that yesterday. The church has become self-help psychology. Let me tell you how easy it is for you to overcome depression, anxiety, hurt, debt, struggle. Seek him and acknowledge him in all your ways. Well, Kyle, that's easier said than done. Actually, no, it's not. You seek him in all of your ways. And, you, and what he'll do, he'll start to give you assignments that you didn't see before. Ways and strategies that you had never thought of because you only found them in mystery. <laughs> I'm not sure if y'all liking this or not. Okay. Verse 7. He's talking to Israel. They haven't done anything for him in a long time. He says, so now I will attack you like a lion, like a leopard that lurks along the road, like a bear whose cubs have been taken away. I will tear out your heart. This is God talking. I will devour you like hungry, a hungry lioness and mangle you like a wild animal. That's a pretty harsh words from the Almighty. The reason the scripture is using the lions, the leopards, and the bears, these were actually native animals to the areas, specifically Palestine. He uses them because the people knew exactly how these animals worked. Surprise attack and very relentless of what they did. What is God telling the people? He says, if you forget me, I will come at you so fast that you're going to realize how much you need me. Why is that good? Because it humbles you quickly to your need for him. And that posture of humility will take you into the deep things of God that you couldn't see by your own logic. He will come at you strong and mangle you and tear you apart so that you say, okay, okay I get it. I need you. Why? Because he tears apart to rebuild the mind, the ways. He's, he has got something so special for you that he will do whatever he can to let it be revealed. Think about Jesus. His glory was revealed in his crucifixion. Die to yourself. And when you don't die to yourself, sometimes he will say, I'll help you. And that's what he's doing to the people. So that is why I would put forth to you, rejoice in times of tribulation because you're no longer trying to, to get out of the situation. You're, you're turning it into, God, show me what you want me to see. It's not, thanks for the heartache. It's, show me what I need to see. Because his, his heart for you is not to go through pain, but he'll let you experience it if it will put you back in the right place to walk in the mystery. Okay. Verse 9. God says, you're about to be destroyed, Israel. Yes, by me, your helper, your only helper. Now where is your king? Let him save you. Where are all the leaders of the land? The king and the officials you demanded of me. In my anger, I gave you kings and in my fury, I took them away. What's going on here is God wanted to be recognized as king no matter what king sat on the throne. He says, you didn't want me. You wanted the kings your hearts wanted. So I gave the leaders to you. I gave the kings to you. I gave you the ones that you deserved. And I took them away just as quick. He's showing them, you're looking for an earthly ruler to carry out my purposes. But he says, I am the helper, the helper that, that can accomplish you to do anything because the leaders you want can't see mystery. You can. Yeah. 
And what we do is we get caught up in we want the right leader instead of humbling ourselves to accomplish it through me, God. Here's my hands. Should we desire the right leaders? Absolutely. But hope is not to be put in them. It's to be put in the Almighty who despite the leader will accomplish whatever he wants. So what the right leader doesn't get in? He's still going to get his way. So why are you shaking? Mr. I stand on Christ the solid rock. Kyle, you don't understand how it is. I don't need to understand how it is when he offers a solid foundation for you to rebuild anything in your life. But the question is, are you relying on the ability of your own hand or baptizing your hands and say, Lord, what do you want? Is this, is this, is this helping someone? Is this Okay. We, we say, well, 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 I have needs. I have things that I need for my life. You know what God says? He says, when you accomplish his purposes and your hands are baptized according to what he wants, needs are met as a fruit of what we do for the glory of God. Philippians 4.19, this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Isn't it funny how we look to our own supply instead of divine? You know what's actually going on in Philippians 4? This is a response. Paul's actually telling the people, hey, Philippians, the church of Philippi, thanks for the gifts. Thanks for all the stuff you gave to me so that I could accomplish the ministry tasks that I have. He says, thanks for giving to me, even though it's going to cause your supply to go short. And he says, because you gave where you needed to give, because you supported where you needed to support, he says, don't worry that your, your resources might have got plundered. God is going to supply your every need because you didn't think about how can we build it. You thought about, God, what do you want with it? And see, that's hard because when we get stuff, we want to keep it. And sometimes there is a call to keep it, and sometimes there is a call to sow it. And I'm not talking about just money. There are gifts in you that for some reason you will only charge people for them to get. There are things in you that God wants you to pour out. And he says, when you do it according to what I ask you to do, I'm going to supply whatever need it is. What what happens is we start to get in this rhetoric of, I feel like God wants me to do this, but I can't afford to do this thing. I'm not qualified to do this thing. I don't have enough resources to do this thing. And God says, well, it's not according to your hands. It's according to mine. I just want you to baptize your hands in purpose despite what you got. Because when you baptize your hands in purpose, he says, I will pour out favor to accomplish what your hands cannot. My prayer for this house is to walk into a place where we are not depending on a great worship team or a good teacher or good this or good that. We depend on one thing. God, our hands are yours. What do you want? And we're willing to get uncomfortable. And we're willing to sacrifice some things that are normal. Because we're not interested in what we know. We're interested in mystery revealed. Am I the only one? Some versions of this passage actually say, your help is from me and I will be your king. God is looking at him and said, he's like, I'm a jealous God. And he says, I will do anything to awaken you to the reality that the best kingdom is under the king, not just any. He says, I want to be your king. I love you. I gave you what you wanted. But you still gave me no glory. Maybe that's the first step for some of us in the house tonight. I've got all this stuff and I have not once said, God, thank you. And that simple posture of humility could be your biggest breakthrough. If you remember, Israel was actually former ruled by judges. There's a book about it. 
And the last judge, Samuel, actually anointed the first king of Israel, Saul. Although God never wanted his people to have any king but him. He just wanted them to be judged correctly to walk in purpose. Why did he anoint Saul? If you read the text, it says the people were wanting a king because they'd forgotten how to be governed by him. We need to be obsessed with being ruled by the king instead of trying to find the right thing to bring change. His rule is the thing to shift all things. And if I'm reading my Bible correctly, he says, all I need is a remnant of people to represent the rest. If you read the book of Judges, it was one dude representing a nation with a yes. Can you imagine what would happen in this area if a company of this many people simply said yes? We don't need to have favor in government because we already have it. You will see it as you baptize your hand in purpose not try to grab it by your own. I'll I'll say it like this. I forgot about this. I forget who reminded me of this the other day. But remember, earlier earlier this year, there was, you know, this very Christian um, uh, publication that came down to Savannah called the Washington Post. And I thought the story was going to be good. It wasn't. And I was reminded by something of that. A representative from the Washington Post, who was a Pulitzer Prize winning author, for some reason came to a warehouse behind a pawn shop and a liquor store. Why did that person come here? It wasn't by our hand. They could have gone anywhere in Savannah. And they ended up here. And they saw something in us that they may not have seen anywhere else. I don't know, but they saw it in us. Not for the glory of relentless, but for the glory of God. Why do I bring that up? There is a favor on this house that is not by anything we're doing. It's not, I have favor, so I'm going to email the Washington Post. They showed up. Because it's not trying to accomplish it by our own hand. If I could teach one thing to this upcoming generation, it's don't try to get the promotion. Convince them by your work that they can't afford not to promote you. Okay. Verse 12. Ephraim's guilt has been collected and his sin has been stored up for punishment. Listen to this now. This is where it gets interesting. And I'm about to close. Don't worry. Kind of. Pain has come to the people like the pain of childbirth. But they are like a child who resists being born. The moment of birth has arrived, but they stay in the womb. A couple Wednesday nights ago, I actually talked about the birth canal. How everything you're doing is actually the birthing canal for what God wants to put in the earth. Right? So, it, so I, I use this example. It's like um, God, God wants me to accomplish something. For me, it's the birthing canal's Relentless Church. Right? Even further, what God wants to do through me, the birthing canal is actually you. It's the thing that brings forth the purposes and plans of God. What's going on here, he's saying, I'm going to read it again, pain has come to the people like the pain of childbirth. There is something that needs to be produced, but it's not coming out. Pain's likened to childbirth. Judgment's coming suddenly on the people. The leopards, the lions, the attacks, the plagues, the wrath, the disease. Stuff is coming and it's unavoidable. 
Kings are being removed. The wrath of God is being poured out. He's saying, you're experiencing the pains of childbirth. Because there is something that needs to come out of you. And if it ain't coming out, I'm going to give you a reason for it to come out. Pain. Can any of the women identify with that? And though he brings judgment, he says, y'all staying in the womb. Instead of letting the pain reveal you. And what happens to a child who doesn't come out of the womb? It dies. At some point, the church has two places to be. We can refuse to come out of the womb or endure judgment and be revealed. God does not want a people to suffer for any reason other than for his name. God wants favor poured out on a people who want to be revealed rather than the people who keep everything inside the walls. What's happening in 2023, what's been happening, I I believe even in the, the, the COVID stuff, what's happening is there are birth pains and God is saying, where are my people? And the people are choosing one of two things. They're staying exactly where they are or they're letting the pain move them to true identity. There are things that happen in life sometimes that feel like wrath and judgment. Stop thinking judgment is a bad thing. It's trying to reveal you. It's trying to get you to understand there is something in you, there is something about you, there is a true you that God needs the earth to see. So stop going backwards when you feel pain and start saying, here I am. God, here's my hands. I'm hurting and I feel worthless, but God, what do you say I am? Well, I've never been able to do anything. God, what do you say I am? Because there is a purpose and a good work in you if all you will do is say, God, let it be revealed for your glory and not mine. I believe that is where the church is corporately in this world. There was so much pain, if you will, in trying to do something. And God's saying, you're going to stay in the womb and continually being formed, or at some point, you're going to let me reveal you, and the world is going to see an uncompromised people who look just like the one I sent 2,000 years ago, and his name was Jesus. The scripture tells us that when people see us, they should see him. You know what that means? They have no other reason than to come toward us than throw us away. In my life, I want to see that people revealed. Did people reject Jesus? Sure, but many accepted him. Thousands were added to the church in a day. Why? Paul even preached it. He says, hey, y'all imitate me. He didn't say y'all imitate Jesus. Paul said, imitate me. You know why? Because Paul looked exactly like him. And I believe the birth that God wants to produce in the church is a church that acts, walks, and talks like Savior. Because you know what's going to happen? People are going to say, I want to be like you. I want to come out of my pain like you. I want to do things like you. And you say, well, it ain't got nothing to do with me. They see everything your hands produce start to look like heaven, and people get mesmerized by it and say, what is that? And we're so humble in our posture that we don't take the credit and say, you know, give me the money and give me the cars and walk and, walk and follow me. We say, follow Jesus. He is the reason I got it out of this. He is the reason I walked into this. He is the reason why something so insignificant turned into something so mighty. Because I decided to be revealed. And for so many people in the church, you're staying in darkness. And here's one thing I want to say to you. You are in fact the mystery that God wants revealed. But do you stay in the womb? Or do you say, here I am? That matter is church is not a place to come just to get lost. There is something in you that needs to come alive. Let this be the year where that happens. At the close of this chapter next week, 
After all this happens, the entire chapter is about repentance, turning back to God. You know why? Because they didn't want to die in the womb. Hosea says, you want to be revealed? Go back to him. It's the easiest thing that we've made so hard because we're getting obsessed by what our hands can do instead of what our hands can be baptized for. God said, I made you for me. Scripture says he's a jealous God. He made you for him. It's so simple, but we've made it so confusing. He says, I made you for me, and when you would give me your hands, I will pour out favor to accomplish whatever it is you're designed for. Stop trying to do it yourself, he says. I'll give you everything you need. So you don't earn favor. It's readily available. The question is, are your hands baptized for purpose? I want to close with this scripture tonight. John 16, verses 16 through 24. Jesus talking. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. A little while after that, you'll see me again. What is it talking about? He's being crucified. You won't see me. And in a little while, you're going to see me again. Some people can even say it was the process of you'll see me now when I rise from the dead and then later on when I come back. Either way, he's there. Some of the disciples ask each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I'm going to the Father? What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Well, Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? You know what he just said? Why don't you just ask me? That's where a lot of us are. I'm trying to figure out what God wants from me. Ask him. I can't hear the voice of God. The voice of God isn't always audible. Sometimes the voice of God is just, it's obvious what you're called to do, but you you like to stay in the womb. You don't believe in yourself because your identity is not in the one who is unbelievable. Okay. Are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me. A little while after that, you'll see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what's going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. Now watch this. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy. Because she's brought a new baby into the world. (laughs) So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You'll ask the Father directly. He'll grant you your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. He just said that, 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 you know, weeping comes in the night, but joy comes in the morning. He said, I want to bring up verse 21 again. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she's brought a new baby into the world. There is a time of pain and enduring and hardship, but when the thing in you is revealed in a moment, all the stuff you felt turns into the fruit called joy called peace. He says, you will go through a time where it's hard. But he says, when you give birth to the thing that I've put in you, the fruit is everything that you were trying to get by your own hand. Because we find joy in whatever we can attain. We find joy in whatever we can get. Even if whatever we can get is not of God. He says, if you will just trust in me, it will the pain of labor, the pain of producing will last but a moment. And what will last is the fruit of what you produce. There is something in you that needs to come out. And I say that maybe if you're experiencing pain, frustration, anxiety, you want to know why? Because there's something in you that needs to be birthed 
Stop keeping it in and let it come out this year in 2023. Stop saying no to God and start saying yes. The, the, the thing in you cannot be stopped by what mama and daddy did 25 years ago. It wants to be revealed regardless of how you grew up, regardless of the situation, regardless of your economic position now. Just because you might not have a dollar now does not mean you are not destined for greatness. So stop being governed by, the, governed by poverty. Be governed by what needs to be birthed. Because when you purpose your hands for him, he says, well, you might not have the money, you might not have the connections, but favor. We start to be very diligent in every step. And when we do that on behalf of God, all the stuff that you didn't have, all the stuff that you could never attain, he pours it out. I say to you for this year, Realize that there's a good favor for your life. There is something in you that needs to be produced. This is the year of letting it come so that the earth will be transformed so that people will see the glory of God. Amen.